This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520, blanketing 17 states and much of Canada. We have the Republican leader of the New York State Senate. He also represents the 62nd District in the New York State Senate, which covers Niagara and Orleans County. First elected in 2014, prior to serving in the state Senate, Rob Ort served as mayor of North Tonawanda from 2010 to 2014 and as city treasurer from 2007 to 2010. In June of 2020, Rob Ort was named New York State Senate Minority Leader, a very articulate, strong leader, and uh, he has a lot of class. I saw him speak uh, before a business group a few months ago. And he was very critical of Governor Cuomo, but he never mentioned him by name. A very dignified man, Rob Ort. Now, you're an Afghanistan war veteran. You saw the shameful publicity with people hanging on to the jet, falling a couple thousand feet to their death. Uh, Shouldn't they have had an exit strategy before they exited the country to protect our U.S. citizens, military and advisors and helpers of the U.S. military. What do you think, Rob Ort? Well, thank you, uh, Brian, for having me on. And um, it was very hard for me, and I'm not alone in this by any stretch. There are obviously thousands, tens of thousands of, of veterans of uh, Operation Enduring Freedom, which was the, the war in Afghanistan. And um, I've heard from many of my co- my, my comrades, uh, my brothers in arms, who served with me uh, in Afghanistan, and uh, it, it has been a very tough couple of days, uh, tough you know couple of weeks um, to watch that situation unfold and, and deteriorate. And you used the word; it, it, it was shameful, and it was uh, it was dishonorable, and it was dishonorable not only to you know, dishonorable on behalf of our country to leave that way. Um, but it was dishonorable to our our Afghan allies, to the Afghans who put, the, and make no mistake, they put their lives on the line to assist the United States military. My interpreters, they were Afghan nationals. They were interpreters. They were they wore the same uniform. The U.S. Army uniform. They were paid by the United States government, and they did so at great risk to them and their families. And they did so because they they believed in the in the idea that we were building a different Afghanistan. And um, uh, to see you know that that happen, and to see them cling to an airplane because they thought that that represented a better chance. Than staying in Afghanistan on the ground um, tells you a lot, and then obviously it was dishonorable to our veterans, to the people, to the men and women that we sent over there for 20 years. We sent them over there because we were avenging 3,000 Americans who were killed in broad daylight because they went to work. That's what happened. There's a, I realize there's a generation of Americans. Maybe some people listening right now they don't remember 9/11. They weren't there, but I can tell you I was. And that's why we were in Afghanistan, because the Taliban 
who now control the country again, they gave sanctuary to al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. And they were complicit in the death of 3,000 Americans. And that's why we went over there. And for 20 years, we sent U.S. service members and Marines and soldiers, airmen, sailors there. And some of them never came home. And to leave that way, and I'm not saying we should have stayed there for another 20 years, Brian, because I don't mm-hmm. think that is the answer. I mm-hmm. think we had to leave, but there's a way to leave. There's a way to leave that brings honor and credit to the United States Army and the United States military and to the United States government. And now we have, we have done the opposite. We have brought shame, dishonor, and discredit to our government, to our military, and make no mistake, our enemies around the world, China, Russia, Iran, the Taliban, they have those same images, and they will tell their folks, and they will tell other people, you want these guys as your as your allies? You want to partner up with these guys? I mean, because that didn't look like a withdrawal. That looked like a retreat. And that, it bothers me personally. It upsets me. It, it breaks my heart. It makes me angry. Um, and I know it does so for a lot of veterans who served in that conflict. Um, it, it brings up old wounds. It brings up, you know, it, it, it brings up old memories tough memories sometimes and you want to you want to believe that your your friends that did that died over there died for a reason and um when you see that that makes that harder to 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 reconcile and it 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 is upsetting and it should be upsetting and president biden and the military uh the joint chiefs of staff the secretary of defense the national security advisor the head of the cia every single one of them should be brought up on the carpet and made the answer for how this could happen when they said that it wouldn't. Rob, last night I was with a um, Afghanistan veteran who lost his legs in the war. He had no legs uh, from basically just below the waist down. He's in a wheelchair. How do you explain it to that man who has no legs? He fought for freedom of these people, and now there's talk that the Taliban will go door to door and torture, maybe behead people who supported and helped the Americans. How do you explain it to the man who has no legs left? Well, I, I don't know what you, you know, I don't know what you say. To, I know what I would, what I would say to him at this point. I would say that you went over there, you did your job on behalf of your country, and you did your job on behalf of your fellow veterans. And you came back, and you're you're here for a reason. There's a reason why you came back and you have no reason to hang your head. You have no reason to be, you know, to have any sort of regret, hopefully, of your service because it was noble and it was honorable. Um, the, the, the shame lies with those who didn't have an exit strategy, those who executed a, a, a whatever that was, that withdrawal, and those who continue to to be sort of defiant about about how we left there, that's that's where the the shame and the and the uh, the blame should lie, not on that veteran who gave his legs, gave his legs for his country. He gave his legs for Afghanistan. He gave his legs for his fellow uh, soldiers and Marines. Um, 
that's a good man. That's the kind of man you want with you, whether you're in battle or whether it's your husband or your son or your brother. That's a good American. Um, and that's someone we should be proud of. But that's, that's the guy that President Biden needs to answer to. Not just to Congress, to that man. That's the person that General Milley needs to answer to. The National Security Advisor needs to answer to, to that man or to the mother who goes to Arlington every year or every whenever to see her son who's buried in the ground. Those are the people that should, that, should, that, that, that these are leaders to answer to. And, and we will never forget, I can promise you this much, on the, as we approach the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the, the veterans of Afghanistan will never, ever forget what has happened. Shameful. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, beyond comprehension that they didn't have a, a retreat scheduled, an exit scheduled before they exited, uh, putting uh, tens of thousands of lives at risk. Uh, just horrible, 100 times worse than Vietnam with the withdrawal there. Our guest today is Republican leader of the New York State Senate, very young, spirited, energetic, gifted man, Rob Ort. If you're listening in North Tonawanda, Toronto, or Northern Florida, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet Canadian and European comments. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand with our 50,000 watts of clear channel power little plug here summer is a time for the three hours rest relaxation and reading enjoy your summer and get your copy of the ampol legal news historic and cultural features from the polish american perspective can be delivered to your door each week for less than 60 cents the ampol legal is offering a hot deal for new subscribers just six months for 16 dollars Call 716-835-9454 and mention ESPN AM 1520 radio. This special offer is good through August 31st and is for new subscribers only. Call 716-835-9454 then get ready to read and relax. A little bit more information about Rob Ort. The minority leader of the New York State Senate, he was born in 79. He attended St. Joe's. Collegiate Institute in Buffalo, graduated from Canisius College with a degree in international relations and political science. Rob Ort and his wife Megan live in North Tonawanda, a very strong Republican leader of the New York State Senate. Let's talk about masks. There's so many conflicting opinions. If they do anything or they do little, also um, the inconvenience and frustration for children to be wearing masks. Now, the incoming governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, it seems she wants to have children wear masks in school in a few weeks. How do you feel about it? Is enough enough? Yeah, uh, I have been uh, a strong uh, public opponent of, you know, what I call over-masking and, and, and you know, uh, certainly masks for our our children in schools. I think there are far more, uh, far better ways to try and manage uh, the, the the pandemic, the spread. Uh, I know people are concerned about the Delta variant, and I think it 
you know, about COVID. And that's just not true. Um, you can you can be concerned about COVID. You could be concerned about the spread. I certainly don't want people, you know, um, you know, I think people need to take precautions that that they think are, are uh, in, in their best interest. Some people, some people are going to want to wear a mask, right? If, if somebody wants to wear a mask, uh, that's certainly their choice. But the idea that um, after all the evidence, we're going to, we're going to make kids go to school, including in, in, you know, warm months, uh, they're starting uh, before Labor Day, uh, all masked, um, that we're looking at vaccine mandates. I mean, in some cases, we're talking about mandating the vaccine and still making you wear the mask. And I just, this is, you know, the goalpost, I think the frustration is the goalpost. Most people out there, the understanding was if you got the vaccine, you know, under President Trump, um, the vaccine, you know, they, Operation Warp Speed produced the vaccine in, in rapid time. And I know there's people out there that obviously have questions or concerns about the vaccine. And again, that's also, you know, a, per, a personal choice. Um, I, I got the vaccine. Um, I didn't get it right away. I waited. Um, you know, I did some, some of my own homework. I wanted to make sure constituents had access to it, but ultimately my wife and I got it more out of a practical uh, sort of rationale than anything else. But the reality is that was my decision. But the vaccine, I think, was sold, and the reason there was such a push for it is that that was our best way to try and, uh, uh, you know, beat back COVID so that we could return to some form of normalcy. Normalcy is not walking around with a mask over your face. That just is not that that is not normal and, and we can never allow that to become normal um i think we have to focus on you know vaccines i, I think are good or, or i think can be very helpful in this uh vaccine mandates are bad um and i think uh you know this is it's not about necessarily just the science there's there's a lot of uh, questions about you know this is about the role of government what can they tell you to do you know you look at what's happening in australia where you have, they're, they're literally telling people, they're like under house arrest, and they're telling people you can't exercise with the members of your family <laughs> in your household. I mean, this is like, this is just, that, that it, it just has gone beyond. And the reality is many of our medical professionals, the truth is they don't know. They, they know what they know, and they're putting out the best information they, they think is responsible, but we don't know. We don't know, and that's why the goalpost keeps shifting. And, and obviously politics comes into play, but I think that parents have a right. If they want their kid to wear a mask in school, you put the mask on your kid, they're telling them to wear his mask. But, you know, the idea we're going to mask all these kids going back to school, that we're going to make people get the vaccine, and we're still going to make you wear a mask when you walk around to certain places, I, I just think is, is going too far. It's not really following the science. What it is, it's continuing to play into the fear. And I have said for a long time, COVID is not going anywhere. We can flatten the curve. We can get people vaccinated. We can build up herd immunity. But some strain of COVID will be with us, I believe, for many, many years to come. And if, that, if we accept that reality, then we have to accept that we are going to have to live with COVID. And living again with COVID does not mean wearing two masks and, you know, having X number of boosters and, and, and you know, not going out to, to dinner and restaurants. That, that is not living with COVID. 
that that is not living with COVID. We don't do, you know, I think living with COVID means, you know, you, you, if you want the vaccine, you get the vaccine. A lot of people are going to get the vaccine. Um, you know, if you want to wear a mask, you can do that. But these mandates, especially with our children in schools, um, I, I don't know that we know what the long-term impacts of that are. And I think we need to look to our local elected officials, our local school boards, who, who are close with those parents and that community, and allow them to make that decision. And I'll just add, the notion that Commissioner Howard Zucker, and your listeners may remember Howard Zucker from, uh, you know, he was very involved in the Governor Cuomo nursing home cover-up. Right. He, he put forward, as a medical doctor, he put forward a report that he knew to contain inaccurate and falsified data related to nursing home deaths around the COVID-19 uh, executive order. This man should have had the decency to resign. I've asked Governor Hochul and called on her to remove him, and he certainly should not be continuing to issue directives and leading the, the COVID-19 response from the Department of Health. He has no credibility. And uh, again, you know, for obvious reasons. So, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear any order from Howard Zucker, and I don't think he's lost all credibility, and I think it's important for Governor Hochul to, to remove him and put in somebody there that has some credibility and someone that's going to take a different approach than we've seen under Governor Cuomo. Well said, because uh, where Governor DeSantis kept COVID-positive cases out of the nursing homes, Howard Zucker and Andrew Cuomo pushed positive COVID cases into the nursing homes, killing perhaps between 12,000 to 15,000 of our frail And then elderly. lied about it. And then, and then lied, lied about it. it. Shameful. Shameful. Our guest today is Rob Ort, Republican leader of the state Senate, a very strong, articulate spokesman for conservative beliefs. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, Montreal, or Washington, D.C., with our 50,000 watts of clear channel power, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusky, SPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. A little more information about the distinguished military service of Rob Ort, minority leader of the New York State Senate. In 2001, Rob Ort enlisted in the New York Army National Guard in response to the September 11th attacks, now approaching 20 years. From 2008 in March to December, he served in the war in Afghanistan, where his mission was to serve as a combat mentor, advisor to the Afghan National Police in Kandahar City, the second largest city in Afghanistan. In recognition of his service, Rob Ort was awarded the Bronze Star Medal, Army Commendation Medal, Afghanistan Campaign Medal, and the Combat Infantryman's Badge. He achieved the rank of First Lieutenant and I have such respect for Rob Ward for serving in Afghanistan, and it's sickened to me to see the withdrawal with no protection for Americans, our American military, and supporters in Afghanistan of our U.S. military. I salute Rob Ward for his distinguished service in the Afghanistan war. Let's switch topics now to tax cuts. We have some of the highest taxes in the country. If you have a house, you might pay $8,000 your property taxes here in upstate western New York, where in South Carolina it could be $2,500. When are we going to see tax relief in the state of New York? Republican leader of the state Senate, Rob Ort. Well, Brian, uh, 
no state probably needs tax relief um, more than New York. Uh, maybe somebody listening in, in California uh, or up in Canada, they might, they might, they might beg to differ. But I can tell you, on the, on the, on the U.S. side, uh, New York is one of the highest, highest cost states to live. And I say that because you know, very often when we talk about taxes, we we think about it in terms of income taxes, right? What you pay in your income tax, and no doubt, you know, New York State. New York State, that there's so many other costs that are that go into. They're not always called taxes, but they're taxes. They're fees imposed or mandated by the government that that contribute to the cost of living and contribute to why people seek other places to go. Whether you're a retiree, whether you're a, you know a, a working person, a working family, or whether you're an employer, right? Employers have left here. And that, of course, means very often that employees will leave here because there are more opportunities elsewhere. And why are there more opportunities elsewhere? Because it's more affordable to both do business and to live in other states because of economic policies that they have put in and economic policies that New York State has put in. I've said for a long time, New York State very often, as you know, Brian, is ranked as one of the top tax states in the country. So that's not just Rob Ward saying it. There are independent organizations that actually rank this stuff. And New York State usually is one or two, uh, right up there with California. And the folks on the Democratic side will very often tell, that I, I believe, and they've said as much, they look at that as a good thing. Because in their mind, the higher tax, the more tax revenue we bring in, the more, quote-unquote, government can do. What they fail to understand is very often the, it's the reverse. The more taxes you, you, you increase, the more people leave, and the more taxes you have to keep raising because you continue to, to, to cut away your own tax base. You continue to shed employers who pay the highest taxes. You continue to shed employees who are going to pay property taxes into your local school districts and your municipalities. Um, the current landscape politically, um, I don't believe that the current the Democrats who run the state Senate, the state assembly, are concerned with tax cuts. In fact, just recently, in the last budget, we increased New York state taxes. I say we, Senate Democrats and Assembly Democrats, uh, every Republican voted against it. They increased taxes by $4.3 billion hmm. in the state of New York. It's one of the largest increases uh, in, in recent uh, state histories in a very long time. They increased taxes even though we got $12 billion from the federal government. <laughs> they get, you know, the, under the, the Joe Biden uh, plan, the state of New York got $12 billion to shore up our budget, and we still increased taxes, $4.3 billion. Unbelievable. For the Democrats today, tax increases are not just a matter of economic policy. It's, a, it, it's, it's, it's about, in their mind, it's, it's, it's really about wealth redistribution. Tax cuts serve as a vehicle to take money from what they deem as wealthy folks and redistribute that to other people. That is the impetus. It's not, you know, we got to shore up our budget, we got to invest. It's really about wealth distribution, redistribution. That's the impetus behind tax cuts, which means by that logic, there's never a tax cut that there, or a tax increase that they're going to uh, oppose or not support. And to them, a tax cut is going the other direction. Uh, so we need to change who we have in Albany representing us uh, if we're ever going to see 
tax relief or or regulatory relief in this state. We're going to get to that in just a moment. A special thanks to those who've called regarding a recent guest, uh, Steve Tiber, uh, Jack Gustafaro, about mental health, and Carl Calvary's political pundit. We'll have coming on Bob Moynihan, an expert on the papacy in Rome. We'll be on next week talking about a change of administration. Kathy Hochul appears to be very friendly and kind, but there was a devastating article in the Buffalo News showing the feat of checks, titles, and deeds when she was county clerk that were not filed, and Chris Jacobs had to clean this up. Uh, Let's talk about the efficiency of this future governor. Well, you know, um, that is that was I, I know this the story you're talking about. Um, look, at, she, she's going to have a big job. I am uh, uh, I've known uh, soon to be Governor Hochul um, since she was my member of Congress. Of course, I, I don't live in Erie County. Uh, I, don't, I didn't really deal with her as a county clerk. Um, I dealt with her as my member of Congress and then as lieutenant governor. She's always been, as you said, she's been kind. She's mm-hmm. been accessible. I think she, the, my biggest, I guess, hope, I, I am, am hopeful that she's the first governor from Buffalo, from Western New York, since Grover Cleveland. And that's not an insignificant amount of time that we're talking about. And I do think that, that hopefully she will bring uh, some emphasis and bring some balance to a lot. You know, there's a lot of regional issues and regional disparities that really drive the policy debate in Albany not always just republican democrat it tends to also be upstate downstate new york city versus western new york or you know rural parts of the state and she's represented those places she knows those places there's people who voted for her and and are hopeful that she will be able to bring uh some some heft to their voice as a governor from these areas and and i'm hopeful for that there's no doubt there's going to be significant policy differences. She's a Democrat. She's a governor of a very Democratic state who's running in the Democratic primary. Um, she's going to have a primary opponent, most likely from New York City or from downstate. And uh, for her to have any chance, the reality is she's going to have to um, embrace a lot of progressive um uh, policy. I'm sorry we have to cut the show off, but we've learned so much from the brilliance of Rob Ort, Minority Leader in the State Senate. Special thanks to Kevin Carr as our Director of Production for the last 15 years, and Connor Murphy for setting up this program. Thank you for teaching us so much about state and national government. Robert Gary Ort, Republican Leader of the New York State Senate. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226.